0: We had seen numbers of young people within our shelter departments who were, uh, at that time it was called juvenile prostitution. The moniker of human trafficking or commercial sexual exploitation wasn't one that many people used at that time.
1: Hey, ladies. Hey, ladies, and welcome back to HERSpective. And we all know that Leo season is officially over, (laughs) and you're all probably mourning. I barely slept last
2: night. I I know know. I
1: am, but it's okay. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm barely making it through the days. Anyway, also sad news, it is now pumpkin spice season for anybody that actually cares, like I am not a pumpkin spice fan, but I feel like the universe wants me to be because I ordered my regular drink and somehow, I don't know how I did this or managed to do it, I ordered through the mobile app. So it's like a repeat basically and I go and pick it up and they hand it to me and it's like kind of orangey and I was like, what the hell? Is this mine? She's like, yeah. And it was a pumpkin spice version of my drink and I'm just like, what happened here? This is out of my control. The universe is trying to convince me to like pumpkin spice. Yeah. I drank it, but like not enthusiastically.
3: The universe is trying to convince every chick to love pumpkin spice for some reason. Like it's not that good. No clue why it is such a fad. Um, No, no idea what's going on there. It's it, It's very strange to me. And I don't know why like you know, like, you know, the basic bitch kind of thing, like where they're all wearing the same things and the Uggs and like, why is that aligned with the pumpkin spice look? Like, I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me at all.
1: Because it's all just so basic. That's like the meme yeah. we posted yeah. the other day. It's like plant yeah. a pumpkin spice latte. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I-, I know it is so basic and it's so weird. But anyways, my uh, my boyfriend brought me a pumpkin spice don- uh, muffin when because he goes to get me a coffee every morning brought me a pumpkin spice spice muffin to go with it and i was like what the hell is this i i had a bite of it but i did not yeah it's just like
1: a given that girls women want pumpkin spice like and i quite frankly i'm not like ready to ring in fall yet it isn't fall we have like a whole other month to go before yeah fall is here so like stop rushing us pumpkin spice should not signify the kickoff of fall like we we need to like petition no. against this or something. Listeners, let us know if you're with us. Yeah, are really you rare. a pumpkin spice lover or not? We're going to put a message
3: out on um social. We want to hear from you guys and let us know. Okay, but also let's clarify. Are you a pumpkin spice lover in the appropriate time of fall? Because that's totally different. No, it's not. Like why does pumpkin
1: spice have it to is. be synonymous with fall? Like it's just not an enjoyable flavor, quite frankly when it's added to every single thing but it's better i guess it's
3: better to have it in fall for around thanksgiving um you know it's better when pumpkins are in season when everyone has to run to do a pumpkin patch photo i it, it it makes way more sense to have it around then than it does in august fair fair i'll give you that
1: anyway i think that was our rant of the day um Let's uh I didn't even know
3: I needed to <laughs> rant about that till I started. talking That's why we it.
1: have the uh, checklist doc because there's things that you and I need to discuss that we don't get the opportunity to discuss outside the pod yes. and we just need to go over a yeah. few things uh, before we get into it. But uh let's do uh thank you to our sponsors. So if you want to shout them out and then
3: we've got quite the show coming up. Yeah, so thank you to our sponsor in Tamo Pleasurables for supporting Herspective. Tamil Pleasurables is a Canadian sexual self-care company. They use 100% plant-based ingredients in all of their products, and they are a company that cares as they give back a portion from every sale to facilitate free sex and pleasure education in our communities, something that, again, we talk about on today's episode. Very important to us. So head over to IntamelPleasurables.com for their full line of products and use coupon code HERSPECTIVE20 at checkout. And don't forget to to check out our other sponsor, Birch and Fog. Birch and Fog is an online luxury plant-based wellness shop for the modern woman. They carry a wide range of CBD products. And as you know, we can't recommend them enough. So head on over to uh, their social at Birch and Fog or their website at birchandfog.com. And of course, don't forget to use coupon code HERSPECTIVE20 at checkout to get $20 off your first order. Awesome. That is some good housekeeping stuff. stuff. Um,
1: oh, I do have to tell you that I went down yes. like a 1,500 million hour rabbit hole of Nastia Nas's twerking videos. Like I just could not oh my peel God. my eyes yeah. off of my phone screen. Like it, it's embarrassing how much time I spent watching I essentially know. the same thing. Like twerking is twerking. She doesn't do
3: anything else. No, she has like cool moves to like spice it up. But then, I mean, there's only a limited extent of that. Yeah. But I completely understand it's mesmerizing. It
1: really is polarizing. Like she, but now she's doing the challenge. So I further went down the rabbit hole of watching all the uh, other people like that are doing her challenge and it just really was like, wow, like she has like an exceptional ability because while a lot of these other women were pretty good at like doing this challenge, I guess copying the choreograph, which I'm not really sure how you choreograph asks shaking but anyway um (laughs) she like they were pretty good but it's just like she is next level like
3: the way she moves and oh my god so anyway i'm well that's probably why she's like literally so famous just for like that and i do commend her like way to build a brand and a business around that exactly like that's the mind-blowing
1: thing is like she has built an entire business around being able to move her ass in an inexplicable
3: way it is inexplicable because if you ever try to do it it's never looking the same I know I, I do try a lot. Do it. me too yeah, and I like, practice in the mirror I practice a lot it never looks like that
1: yeah I look back at it once or twice a week you know but I mean it's just not Near what she's doing and like her ability, um, but like I got so caught up in this challenge that I'm like, oh, maybe I should do it, maybe I can do it. And then I was like, that's a ridiculous thought because no, I cannot, I am not posting me shaking my ass in such an embarrassing way for however many followers or whoever to see. So I obviously opted out of that, but I got like hyped up about it for a minute.
3: I mean, Lauren. I don't think it's the worst idea you've had. Um, Even if
1: you (laughs) don't want to, it
3: might actually be. Uh, um, But thanks, it is the worst idea you've had. (laughs) No, I'm just saying. I like you could have. It's not the worst. You you have a very cute bum. Why the fuck not?
1: (laughs) I appreciate the hype up. Like you are a total cheerleader.
3: Um, (laughs) Yes, but I want I want to
1: have her on the podcast. More importantly, like so we should probably like this like bucket list. Hopefully, we can con her into coming on or maybe someone knows her that will ask her to be on the show for us um because I just want to understand like how did she even know that like this is what
3: she wanted to do it's just
1: it's all just so interesting like I think people are curious too
3: yeah there's one thing of like twerking and and even doing it for fun or just like just doing it but then there's one thing to literally like go on worldwide tours teaching it I don't know she's she's pretty cool yeah she's amazing um Anyway, so
1: yeah, if anybody out there knows her or, like, knows how to get <laughs> in touch with her outside of social, obviously we realize that, but, like, if there's someone that has an in, please, please share, because yeah. we want to have her on the show, and we you, we know you want her on the show, too.
3: Yeah, oh yeah, everyone <laughs> wants to know the secret. All us girls, that's for damn sure. We love, uh, yeah. we love that.
1: We love her. We love her. Uh, but in other celebrity news, and we posted on our social, is... Not to mention every single celebrity right now seems... To, a female celebrity right now seems to be pregnant. Um, Chrissy Teigen being one of those. Yeah. But she has
3: legit, like, I know. burned her tongue I off. Know. I, I, I didn't even find like, it funny because it's so fucked that that happened to her tongue. Like, I did not know that I was possible. I thought
1: it was a joke. I did not know that was possible either. Like, with candy. Like, I didn't know your tongue could peel. And I can't even imagine how painful...
3: Yeah, that would be Yeah, that like the only time I've ever had, obviously, like hot things when you burn your tongue and that sucks. But like, you know, salt and vinegar chips can do something to your tongue. But other than that, I don't think I've ever really had certainly no burns or like removal of taste buds. Um, Her skin, like tongue skin. Yeah, her skin. I, yeah. Oh my God. It's a different color. I literally was (sighs) too grossed out to laugh because I was like, this can't be fucking real. How many
1: candies did she eat? Yeah. Like, what are you doing to yourself? How are you continuing
3: to eat it also
1: when your tongue is borderline, like not borderline? It is. It's falling out of your face. It's falling off. And the
3: the worst part is it's not even like one little bit. It's like covering the whole surface of her tongue. So she must have just kept going and going and going. It shook me
1: to my core. Like, that's why I had to post about it. That's why, like, I wanted to mention it. Because it is legit the craziest pregnancy, like, craving situation that I've ever seen or heard of. Like, obviously, there's so many crazy pregnancy cravings and things that pregnant women do. Like, I had to have Dr. Pepper throughout my pregnancies. I don't know why I don't even like pop. But, like, nothing that, like, caused my body
3: severe damage. (laughs) And Yeah, no, that is just mental. And, like, you know how when you have a, uh, too many candies, it hurts your stomach? Like, Let then alone... you stop? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well before your tongue is burned off. So I can't even imagine if your tongue's like that, what is the state of her stomach? Oh, my God. I know. It's
1: bad. Um. So, yeah, I just had to, like, chat about that because I was shooketh
3: by it. Yeah, I was very shaken by it. And I'm so glad you brought it up because it's something that needs to be addressed girls please do not pregnant or not do not burn your tongue off
1: yeah chrissy, it's not worth it i hope you get better soon because obviously she's probably listening
3: yeah no she's obviously listening just like Brittany listens every week too yeah um so chrissy we love you but we don't want you to do that anymore and it's freaking me out so please don't even post it
1: yeah and uh speaking of britney of course yeah. we wouldn't leave you hanging without an update it's a quick one we don't have a ton of details but um it appears that her sister has now been named uh responsible for her like finances
3: yeah so her sister i believe um Brittany britney just wanted her dad off because as we know which he is not though well i think her sis he is I guess, moving on out or he will be relinquishing some control to um, her sister, Jamie Lynn. But her sister obviously has been supportive um, in the media of her, of Brittany. Um, And I'm not really sure how, what that means for Jamie, the dad. Is he out? Um, Is Jamie Lynn the only one in control? I'm not sure, but hopefully this will all come to an end on February 1st. Um, other celebrities have been weighing in on it, like Cher. Cher basically said that, like, um, Brittany is a cash cow and, like, who, if everyone's benefiting off her being sick and why would they want her to get better type thing? So, I don't know. I hope that, I hope she does get better. It's so weird. Yeah,
1: I mean, other celebrities are getting involved, like, heavily more and more, it seems, so, like... You have to wonder, is this all so legit? Like, this is a real serious issue and other people are concerned. I mean, like, share speaking out on it, you know, it's it just, it's so, again, every week we talk about it, but it's just still so, like, mind-boggling. Like, we just cannot understand how this has all come to be. And yes, I understand, like, the simplicity side of it where it's like, well, she has, like, mental health issues. She has some challenges, so she needs assistance. But it just seems beyond that.
3: Yeah. So, it, yeah, again we've gone over it a million times but yeah we will continue to give updates as they come and hopefully come february we'll be able to give the ultimate update which is that she is back in control of her own money um also hopefully in the meantime Brittany like relaxes on the vids because they're weird still weird (laughs) they're still weird um they really are
1: But we love you and we're still here supporting you. We love you. And we're, yeah, we're just like powering on for you. We hope the best. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, again, weekly updates on Brittany to continue. Uh, So, I think, you know, we've kind of covered our celeb updates. We've obviously talked about Leo season being over. So, that's important. Um, It's like the main things. Yeah. um, Really important things. Uh, But in all seriousness, we actually do have a really important show today it like veers a little bit from our normal more light-hearted um upbeat and positive episodes yeah. this could potentially be a trigger show for some individuals listening uh so we want to call that out right away before you get into yeah. listening to the episode but it is so so important and we've felt really strongly about talking about mm-hmm. um sex trafficking and human trafficking on our show and we were lucky enough to connect with a woman named Julie Newbar who is the manager of human trafficking services and sex trafficking at the Covenant House in Toronto. Uh she is going to give you the full details on what her role is and what it looks like and Much more insight into human trafficking and sex trafficking in Canada.
3: And yeah, exactly. In Toronto, like why it's not a foreign thought, it's not a foreign sentiment. It happens right here in Toronto, in our own backyards. And yeah, and beyond Toronto, it's Canada wide. Um, So, yes, I think.
1: A lot of people maybe feel that it isn't something that is prominent here, but it very much is. And yes, to your point, Jess, like Toronto is actually the hub, and Julie will get into that too. So it was hard to listen to some of uh, the content that Julie provided us and the information that she shared because we're women. um, To think about other women in the situations that we discuss is just heartbreaking. And not just women, girls. And I say that on purpose, like girls. Young girls. Children. Um, If you are under the age of 18, you are still a child. And this is happening to children. We also actually get in a little bit about the language around uh, prostitution um, and why that is changing, especially... And why it's so important
3: to change it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, like we said, um, this could be a triggering episode. Hopefully whoever listens to this just takes away like so much information and Julie totally plugs where you can get more information uh, resources if you want to help or maybe you need help Um, so you know it it was just really fascinating talking to her Uh, we you know we are committed to trying to learn more and figure out ways that we can help uh, just as an individual so hopefully you guys love this episode and we want to hear from you as always about it and um yeah we'd like to welcome julie newbar to the show Welcome, Julie. Thank you so, so much for being here today. This is a little bit of a different episode for us at perspective, but such an important one and one we've been yeah. wanting to cover for a really, really long time and just can't tell you how grateful we are that you are available to talk to us and going to share, I'm sure, just a wealth of knowledge and information.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, yeah. so, yeah,
3: welcome to the show. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you. It's uh, it's my absolute honor to uh, to be with the both of you today. Uh, any opportunity to continue to put this uh, topic in front of people, uh, I I I will jump on. It, it astounds me that uh, we uh, I've been doing this work since two thousand and thirteen, and that it still is considered to be new information to so many Canadians, Ontarians, um, that I'm that I'm. Uh, I'm sad to be here, but I'm also very grateful to be here, if you get what I'm saying
3: absolutely definitely and as Laura you mentioned it is a bit different because uh, normally we have lighter or funner uh, topics and but this one is so serious um, and and so, so important important and, and so real uh, unfortunately yeah. and as you mentioned Julie um, it's something that seems newer and you know I hate to say it but I feel a little bit guilty of thinking the same way it does feel newer and I don't really know as much I think as I should especially because um, we're talking about our own home here. We're talking about Canadians and and what's going on in our own backyard. So I guess we can start. Julie, please tell us uh, what you do, what your role
0: is, and um, a little bit about the position itself. Sure. Um, So um, my name is Julie Neubauer, and I am the Manager of Anti-Trafficking Services at Covenant House Toronto. Um, I have been with the agency for almost 20 years, but have been solely responsible for the portfolio of anti-trafficking uh, effort services programs since 2013. Um, when we began the work as an agency back at that time, uh, it was basically myself and one of my advocates, and uh, we as an agency took a very bold leap uh, with our board of directors, uh, who, as a as a faith based organization, who had been serving homeless youth for a, a great number of time, uh, made the uh, decision to um, boldly step into this arena of anti trafficking services. We had seen uh, numbers of young people within our shelter, uh, in our outreach departments, who were uh, at that time it was called juvenile prostitution. Um, the the the. the the, the moniker of, of human trafficking or commercial sexual exploitation wasn't one that many people used at that time. Uh, we knew that there were a lot of people who were engaged in survival sex, who were very vulnerably housed, very fragile, uh, were living rough on the street and needing to, um, to, to continue to survive. And so they did so in ways that often included that they were trading their uh, trading their bodies, uh, engaging in sexual activities for a safe place to stay wow. uh, for protection um, for for food and and uh, and for substance on some occasions for people who were uh, who had had addiction issues. So we'd been engaged in the work, but recognized that we needed to do something that was much more uh, conscientious and much more structured. And so at that time, we uh, conceived of something called an urban response model. Uh, that looked at the current services that we were providing, which was our crisis shelter and and uh, case planning and some housing opportunities, and decided that we needed to do something in a much more fulsome way, as I said. And uh, so mirroring with the stages of change for individuals who are recognizing for the first time that this is happening to them. So the kind of pre-contemplative moments in their lives where they're saying, you know, maybe this is something I don't want to be involved in, or maybe this is something that I'm involved in, all the way to uh, maintenance and and, uh, and independence. And so over the past seven years, we have built those pre-existing uh, programs that I that I talked about, Uh, or have yet to talk about, um, and then built more into it. So uh, prevention and education moments such as these, uh, with people like yourselves, uh, to now having uh, uh, so many more staff, um, more uh, housing programs. So we have two uh, different housing programs, um, and one uh, crisis bed program. Um, So as I said, that we Sought to meet individuals where they were in terms of their engagement in this in this in this work or in this this crime. Um, so at our shelter, we have two crisis beds that are very low barrier that young women, young female identifying individuals can come and stay. Um, it's housed within our shelter program and it's for. Um, People who are fleeing exploitation for the very first time, people who are contemplating uh, leaving, people who are just looking for a, a safe place to be uh, while they kind of regroup and get their feet beneath them. Um, so, since two thousand and fifteen October, we opened that specific service, and and at last count, we had um, ninety seven young women uh, access that space. Wow. Um, we also opened. I know it's an astounding number, and 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 forgive me. I mean, this is, I will ramble off numbers, um, and, and things, um, with, without a pause, um, to, to acknowledge the holy cowness yeah. of this. Um, so these, these numbers are, are more than numbers. These numbers are, uh, young women who have, um, people in their lives who care about them. Sometimes people, um, who don't know where they are, um, they were born uh, as daughters. They are perhaps sisters, aunties. Um, they have connection to other human beings. So I'm glad that, um, that, I, that I acknowledged your, 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 your wow, um, because these are simply not numbers. These are young ladies for whom uh, some pretty dastardly uh, crimes are, are, are taking place against them. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And clearly, I guess you being on the front
3: lines there sees how that it's not just stats like these are people and horrible things that they're experiencing, things that like we don't even really know about um, or really hear about for some reason. I'm not sure why trafficking isn't something that's more discussed.
1: I think because society doesn't want to face it, just like so many other horrible like circumstances that happen within our Society or in, quote-unquote, our own backyards. It's not easy to talk about it. It's not easy to hear about it. It's not easy to know about it. And in some situations, I think people choose the ignorance is bliss approach, right? Um, Unfortunately. Unfortunately. But these are our people. These are our women. These are our children. This isn't just, like, some person that... You know, maybe you've never met, but it it shouldn't matter because
2: really we are
1: we are one. Um, We have to protect each other, and we have to fight for each other, and we have to talk about what's happening to bring enough awareness that hopefully will help end this. Um, I mean, just listening to you, I just filled with goosebumps. My body's very tense um, because I think even I am, you know, guilty a little bit of trying to kind of, you know, block the knowledge out in my head.
3: Well, I think because you're a mom, right? If you let all of it in, uh, you run the risk of, like, going mental. Um, Always thinking about that happening?
1: Yeah, but it's also just about, um, you know, like, I feel a little bit helpless. And that's part of why we wanted to talk to you, Julie. Um, You know, we can donate. uh, We can participate in say, protests or um, events that take place for
0: this sort of thing. Signing bills, raising awareness, absolutely, yeah.
1: But at at the end of the day, I still feel a little helpless because I guess we don't necessarily get to see... The, the final product, we don't see who we're helping um, for obvious reasons, like people, some people probably need to be protected or especially their identity, yeah. so I think sometimes, and you know you, I, I'm very grateful and lucky to live the life that I lead and um, certainly was never a victim of anything like sex trafficking um, or exploitation in any way but it's still happening and I think, yeah, it's sort of just like I know it's going on like I said, I can donate and participate in other ways, but I just, I still feel like it's not enough and this is still happening. And um, you know, what what can we do really? What
0: needs to be done? So I think that it's uh, there's an important distinction that I'd like to make at, at this part of our conversation. So sure. one of the things that I want to reinforce is uh, the difference between sexual exploitation, sex trafficking and sex work. So, in a in a very simplistic nutshell, what sex trafficking is, or sec- commercial sexual exploitation is, is when somebody is forced to perform, provide sex acts to make money for somebody else. So, the people who are being exploited, the people who are okay. being ex- who are being trafficked, do not have choice or agency in the exchange. Would that include the the women that are
3: working, um, as you mentioned before, for us? For their substances, or for food, or for shelter.
0: Well, that's a that's a that's a good question. So that's you know more considered a, a, a survival sex, right? So right, they have okay. well, it, it it's about choice. It's a so if someone too. exactly. So if someone is uh, without the right to a home, which housing is a human right. Um, what what else, what other currency do they have? right? So this is really about this distinction between trafficking and sex work. So people who are engaged by choice uh, in sex work get to uh, determine what services they provide they get to say uh, what what fees they can charge, they get to say when they get to work, they get to say when they get to take breaks, they get to say way they, where they get to perform. So that's all around the choice and the agency in the Well, And they activity. keep their money. Right? And they keep their money. Hell's bells. They keep yeah. their money. Exactly. Whereas people who are exploited or trafficked do not get to say what they're going to do. That quite often that the individual Jeez. is uh, placed in a hotel, Airbnb, condominium, um, or in, 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 other circumstances in, 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 in cars or, or street street level. And they are not that they, the, the client, the John, uh, will come to the door and they are not, they had no engagement, no negotiation in what they're expecting to provide. So just to paint that picture, it's like, they're like what held kidnapped, held, and
3: literally forced to have sex so long as like the acts. person who's holding them says so like are, do they are they released so, for an hour do they get a break like
0: so this is this is the again one of the the needs for clarification on what sex trafficking and what exploitation is is right. when we often see uh posters or images of young women who are shackled or handcuffed um who are right. uh who are seemingly held against their will uh, by by force, and that's not to say that that does not occur, um, but more often than not, the ways in which these young ladies are lured and groomed into the engagement of the exploitation um, is done relationally. Um, that they uh, uh, begin a they they begin a relationship with an individual who. Um, uh, either promises them, you know, candidly and transparently that they can make a whole heck of a lot of money for this activity or that activity. And it's, pre- and it's presented as a partnership uh, where they can, um, you know, make some money that she will earn this much that they will pay for travel and car and security in the hotel rooms, etc. Um, and then, very soon after that, level of control again slips away from her. But by that time, in that kind of a scenario, that um, her ability to extricate herself from that is often compromised. Right. For from a physical fear, um, these are not uh, businessmen. Well, I, I, they, they are—they're actually very astute businessmen, but they mm-hmm. are uh, often very violent. That they are also trafficking in in uh, drugs and in firearms, or using them to. Uh, keep themselves safe or to exert some control over the people uh, who are who are working for them. So for her to say, you know what, I'm, I'm tapping out, I'm done, um, there is often a, a leaving fee that is associated with that if they're having that kind of a really transparent conversation. Um, and it's often outlandish. Um, and she has to continue to work in order to be able to pay that money because she can't say, well, I'm going to go work at the you know, the at the no frills to make that money, she has to continue to work at in this in this space to be able to get that kind of money. Um, Pay off so some there's debt a, that never existed. Well, that's right? pre- that's precisely it. So there's there's a fear factor. There's also a a reality of shame and judgment. So that if she decides that you know she for a period of time she engaged in this and and then was uh, presumably duped in believing that she had some control of this. There are images. Uh, floating around the internet, floating around people's phones, uh, very easily shareable and accessible that are then used as threat and coercion to keep her in the game uh, so that she doesn't leave. Um, So again, so those are those kind of... You know, and then it's it depends on the 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 length of time in which she's in that it's it's a sense of belonging that these are really a lot subcultures of existence. Uh, there are large groups of people who this is all they do. Uh, large groups of young women who are and engaged in know. very similar work. Uh, the young men, the men uh, who are uh, involved in the the uh, the management of the of the exploitation, that they are. They become a family. They become a network for them, and as you said, Jess, it's, it's it becomes all they know. So that's that kind of that one scene. Um, the second scene is is again more in our early days of this work. This is the the primary um, narrative that we were uh, were familiar with was uh, was young women who uh, were lured with the promise of a romantic relationship, and we all you may hear the the, the Romeo pimp or the, the boyfriend uh, scene um, where she is led to believe uh, that she is in a, a healthy and normative uh, relationship um, that uh, begins in, in every other way. Uh, dating, wooing, um, comments of, of love and adoration and all those types of things. Um, Consensual sex. It, it, it was at, yeah. Um, gifts. um and then she gets into this into this position where he may then ask her to do something, which may be kind of outside her her normal wheelhouse. Uh, may involve having sex um, uh, with with his some of his buddies, some of his friends, um, because for the love of them, for the promises of the white picket fence, um, and and then again, you have. And, and this is all very simplified. Um, right. Again, right, these of are course. these are young women who um, whose trust was taken, um, was, was created, uh, and then taken from them, um, for the, for the exploitation and making money for these other individuals. So they're so far into this. And again, like I said, there's images or, uh, you know, who are you going to go back and tell your mom? Um, and, and during the development of the relationship that they now know what their, what the family is, uh, if they've got siblings or brothers and sisters. Um, and again, in, in these situations, she's not wearing handcuffs that she's left in a hotel room, say, for example, where he goes out and and, and gets food for him or uh, is going out and, and working other young ladies in other hotels or is going out and doing his own life, which sometimes these other individuals have other, you know, other They've got parents. They've got other kinds of things that they're doing, um, and she's so left there. And she's left there to 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 see dates that he will set up for her. And again, um, the door is is open. Um, there are times where the, the doors are locked, um, uh, but again, that notion of of leaving that the, we did a, a Cohen House did a survey, a national survey uh, where our researchers we we're very fortunate. Common House Toronto would have a, a really um, remarkable research and evaluation team uh and they went across i definitely
3: want to talk to you more about that after as well right on yeah the fact yeah. that you're not just like a shelter helping you also take it the
0: next level in research but i'll i'll ask you Thanks, that after. right on jess yeah so they went across canada um talking to both survivors and to service providers and they were looking primarily at uh where the systems let them down um uh, what resources were lacking? Where were the gaps in services to helping someone exit? Um, and, and and I'll say here also that that exiting is is a word because it, for those who are engaged and involved in uh, exploitation, we're exploited, we're trafficked. You never really exit. That it is something that becomes part of your fiber. Um, the post traumatic stress that uh, these individuals uh, experience and continue to endure. Um, is unlike anything i 've ever seen before um, so again, I just want to make note of that 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 word exited that it's it 's it's, it's not a, always a, a clean clean um, but what they did is they talked to these individuals across Canada uh, and what they learned was that uh, it 's far from easy and that it takes on average seven seven attempts to finally um, f- to finally stop wow. Or to leave the exploitation, in, in whatever way that occurs, right? I don't have any statistics,
1: but I mean, I feel like that can be more times than maybe
3: someone who is struggling with a substance addiction goes to rehab, like or domestic
0: abuse, leaving your spouse. Those are similar numbers to that as well, right? I don't, ha- I, I, I can't speak explicitly on those numbers, but there is that's that that's intimate partner violence, so. Uh, yeah. Often these—it's a lot, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if yeah. you are if you in, are engaged in if your experience as a, as a as a victim or a survivor of sex trafficking is one that was based on a relationship where you thought it was a romantic relationship, those d- the difficulty in exiting there are, are are profound as you as you would note with a domestic violence, right. um, as well as you know if it comes time to an, that individual then. Deciding to uh, take it to a to a legal um, uh, recourse. Does that happen so often? So if sh- we we support a lot of young women who make the decision to uh, go and talk to the police. Um, last Great, year we that's supported it, it's it's remarkably um, difficult work for these young ladies. We supported I think over thirty seven young women. Uh, last year alone uh, wow. as they first went to speak to the police and gave their initial statement um, went back say for a second time um, and it's not a it's not a certainly a one-time thing and for anybody who's been involved in the court system mm-hmm. um, not during COVID times that um, it, it, it drags on for yeah. for, for years nothing um, moves quickly um, so, That's for sure no nothing moves quickly and so for those who are trying to you know, put a period to this part of their lives and to to begin healing through therapy or through um, just trying to to do some form of recovery that every time they, yeah, so Mm -hmm. every time they have to go before the courts and retell their story to to uh, a a crown or in court. Um, And that very similar to a lot of sexual assault cases. um, The uh, defense uh, and the courts aren't often very sympathetic and it's, it's it's changing of course as as the judges and as the crowns and as the defense are gaining a, a, a greater understanding as to what human trafficking is. Um, but uh often their own sexual histories will be dragged through the courts victim shaming it's 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 everything that you can imagine yeah i was just going to say is there a lot of victim shaming absolutely there is absolutely there there is yeah so it makes it quite difficult for them as well as you know the reason i'm telling this story is that their 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 boyfriend is in court right as as is his or her crew um so again there's the fear factors there's the oh my god i still love him um all those those things that make it quite difficult to to be able to see it through, and so we are always so uh, remarkably uh, impressed and in awe of these young women who make it to the end. Uh, and quite often, there's 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 less convictions um, on HT related offenses, um, and that's something that you can look up. Um, in terms of the number of offences. But I'm pleased to say that uh, our advocates, one of our advocates was the first in having a Toronto conviction when we began this work back in, in 2013. But again, she still works with the individuals with whom she was involved in that case. So back in 2012, when this case first went to court, we're sitting here in 2020, she's still working with the, the individual who, is, who was involved in that case. So that's the length of time of of the healing and the recovery and the that's insane, yeah,
1: you know you mentioned that you had thirty seven women that you assisted last year, and on one hand that number seems really high. But on the other hand, that seems...
3: Not high enough.
1: Yeah, that seems low, um, considering I feel like there is a scary high number of young women that are involved in um, sex trafficking just in Canada, never mind North America, the rest of the world, of course, but obviously we yeah. can only focus on uh, Canada. But do is that
0: accurate or do you... I think that the unreported are what would astound right. us. Right. So on average, my advocate team of four uh, system navigators advocates see on average 54 young women a year. Each or in total? In total. Okay. Uh, our average caseload is, 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 is high. At present, it's 14. 14 per advocate. The highest number being 18. Are these Toronto girls? They come from all across Ontario. But just Ontario... Well, no, they come from all across uh, Canada. So whether they uh, begin their their exploitation, whether they're lured or groomed from Nova Scotia per se, and then they're moved by their traffickers to um, Montreal and then moved from Montreal to, to Toronto to Kitchener. And, the, and this is the... The strategy of the traffickers is to to avoid a saturation of a market. So if they're dancing, uh, you don't want to dance in the same club too long because you get old fast. Um, And so they need to keep them moving uh, to make more money in another town. If they are uh, working out of hotels or Airbnbs, they move them frequently to avoid detection and, again, to avoid a saturation of a market. Um, They will also move them to areas where there's a boon for or there's a, there's a higher need I mean just you saying there's a need just like well yeah. I
1: know
3: it's it's really gross
1: so
0: there's a there's a bit of a we learned last year that it was a bit of a cottage industry Oh my God um, that they're in the higher end uh, areas of, of Ontario specifically that they were young uh, women being moved uh, through different spaces um, for a specific clientele. Uh, if you look at the um the oil industries out in Alberta, unfortunately, that doesn't surprise me, yeah at all yeah, that when i I actually lived in Alberta for a
1: couple of years, and that is um, one of the first times I really heard about it and like understood it um more it was more considered like they would just be called prostitutes, but really yeah. I, I don't think it was just a prostitution type situation. I think it was a forcible situation, like where these a lot of women were forced into it.
3: I actually wanted to ask you that, Julie, because you mentioned that that term just just recently changed from prostitute or child prostitute or female prostitute to um, juvenile juvenile. Sorry, I used every other word, (laughs) but into into trafficking. So is that because we just figured out or just gave them the, I guess, respect to know that they're not choosing this. Or so,
0: in two thousand and five, the laws changed. Um, that there became there that there are human trafficking related offenses. Um, the Palermo Pro- Protocol. Uh, a number of different spaces across the world began to identify uh, sex trafficking, labor trafficking as real events um modern day slavery and began to uh rally to have the laws reflect uh what was actually happening. So uh not to get into the weeds about what the what the different laws are, about where you can sell sex, who can make money off of sex, but it's important in terms of this um uh language lexicon um is selling someone under the age of 18 can, can cannot consent to sell sex. So the n- whole right. notion of juvenile prostitution is baloney, that a juvenile under the age of 18 yeah. cannot yeah. consent to sell sex. Yeah. yeah, those two words really can't come together because
2: prostitution
1: yeah, represents exactly. somebody who is of consenting age uh, to sell yeah. sex and juvenile is clearly re- representative of yeah. a minor. So they really could never go together. And I know that... And that's something that we've actually been seeing more and more on social media, which I really appreciate, is calling that out. And I wanted to mention that when you brought it up at the beginning of the show.
3: Changing the language. Yeah, the
1: language is really important because Mm -hmm. we do minimize certain things because of the way you hear it. And you think, well they're they're choosing to be a prostitute or it's just it's prostitution that's legal or that's normal or that's acceptable but it's like no when they're children because that's what they are even if they're 17 turning 18 in a month at that point they're still a child and I mean correct by in the eyes of the law exactly and when I look when you think about yourself at 18 I mean what did you really know (laughs) not much I knew everything I, I thought I did, too. everything. Yeah. Looking back, it's <laughs>
0: Me like too. the craziest um, we all versus did. reality
3: check. Like, you're so naive, yeah. girl.
0: <laughs> well, and, and this is the thing, is that if, if you reflect on what the – for the rest of the side, you can't drive by a certain age. You can't buy alcohol. You can't vote. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can't make decisions in your country of how it affects you, but all
1: of a sudden – you can be responsible for things that you don't even understand
3: so i wanted you know you mentioned um alberta but what i'm really thinking and what comes to mind a lot is the indigenous populations haven't even touched on that absolutely yes like obviously those populations are at higher risk for so many things not even things that we won't even get into but like this has got to be a huge
0: uh, situation for them as well right Absolutely. So, if you if you look at the numbers of missing and murdered Indigenous women across yeah. this great land of ours, the numbers are absolutely staggering. They have websites that show their pictures, and I I don't know, I I often
3: look at them because it's just like page after page after page of these faces and their names, and they're twelve, and they're eight, and they're you know fourteen, and. It's this is what's making me like freak out right now because um I can't even imagine how they they so many of them go missing and are taken um it, it's so and up. I and
0: I and I uh, I hazard and I and we were talking about the underreported um and and resourced uh, discrimination and racism uh oppression, colonialism, the patriarchy. These are all things that rely on silence and on marginalization, whether they create the marginalization themselves, or they reinforce it by not allowing us to have these conversations. This harkens back to what we began this around, why does this continue to happen? Um, That's another podcast altogether but yeah. uh it, which we'd like to talk one about one that we're happy to have uh, yeah. yeah but when you talk about the the people we spoke acro- with across Canada and talked about exiting uh i sit here in full awareness of 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 where i am where am i where am i placed um my access to education and resource um uh, opportunities and the people who are marginalized or who are preyed upon more fervently by these predators are often in communities um, where those options just aren't available. And so if you've got a young lady from a community uh, in a remote part of uh, Manitoba, her ability to look around her and say, "Um, I can go to my auntie or I can go to my local health care, or I can go to these places and get support uh, to have a language for what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's purposeful. Our, in terms of our uh, statistics, we work with uh, only, at last count, 7% of our uh, young women identified as being Indigenous. Um, and we will routinely refer to our uh, sister partner agencies in Toronto, uh, Native Women's Resource Center, Native Child and Family Services, uh, if these individuals identify as being from these communities and want more uh, culturally specific support, uh, which is is absolutely necessary um, for these young women to have their communities wrap around them and embrace them um, to, to be able to heal from the reasons that it, 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 it may have occurred to them in the first place um, to how they're going to heal Uh, and be uh, reintegrated back into themselves and to their into their communities so one of the things that
1: I'm curious about though is okay so these women um, however they end up in the trafficking world um, often like you said relationships or which turn into like that forced situation but from what you've when you've spoken to the survivors or people involved, do you find that there is an issue kind of get reintroducing them back into their yeah. own society, their community? Um, is there like a shunning from their families, friends, if, if they have that? Because I wonder if that is also like a major issue that needs more yeah. like awareness is that you cannot decide to cut these people out of your life because of something that they, for the most part, innocently, got dragged into and... Well, more
3: victim-shaming situations.
1: Exactly. Because I do think even nowadays, like, we as women still get kind of like... bitchy towards each other or catty, we are, sure. like caddy can be quick to be like oh well she's a sly or she's a hoe or you know even people that post on facebook or instagram like their pictures they're you know maybe they're a little sexy or whatever they get labeled really quickly and it's other women that do it not just like men um so is there that issue where like they're not welcome back from their family well yeah do they just go something? home to their parents like and their parents say, like, maybe they're very religious. Obviously, there is certainly a cultural aspect to be considered here too. Is it something where it's like, oh my God, you've completely dishonored us, or you've shamed the family, or yourself, or you're disgusting? Goods like, or yeah,
0: like you're you're you cannot be. Well, there's a, part a, of this. A, a like, whole this is bunch of stuff in in what you've just said, Lauren, that needs to be that needs to be unpacked. Don't mind our tangents. <laughs> so I've got to keep track. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. They got it's early in the week. Like. <laughs> yeah. um, that so we spoke last year we did a, um, uh, a study with Ipsos Reed and spoke to um, survivors, uh, some survivors, their families, uh, young women uh, between the ages of twelve and sixteen, um, uh, parents and caregivers across Canada to look at um, prevention and education. So what could we do, again, as as an agency uh, to help prevent this from happening? And the reason we talked with the survivors and their families is that we wanted to kind of get a, a gauge as to what would have helped them exit, what would have helped them what conversations would have been helpful to have them not become involved in the first place. And then we wanted to talk to their parents about what would have been helpful for you as a parent to learn more and then have those conversations. And what the survivors told us was that if they'd had an understanding about what was happening to them, if they had had a vocabulary around Sex trafficking, sexual exploitation, boyfriend Romeo pimp. Where they're going to be? What is luring? What does grooming look like? That in some cases they may not have gotten involved. That their radar would have gone ping. Right. You're trying to do this. That they would have had a, a greater, you know, sense of of, of trepidation or of caution. Uh, they also spoke to us about um, their ability, desire, comfort, trust to have a conversation with their parents once they became engaged, once they were engaged and once they were trying to leave without the shame or the judgment. Uh, and again, or having that, that language to be able to say, I think this has happened to me. I think this is happening to me. Um, and then the parents to be able to, to, to like it was on their radar as well. So they didn't have any of that. So that would have been helpful to, uh, to prevent it. And then to help them uh, presumably avoid true, uh, entrenchment or engagement, and then, you know, potentially to have them exit as well. We also learned from talking to young people. And again, this was a bit of a, of a, of a risk, uh, talking to young people prior to exploitation. So those who, like I said, who were, who were 12 and, you know, 13, 16, with their parents' consent, their caregivers' consent, but again, asking with them what they knew about sex trafficking, asking them what they knew about exploitation, um, and how, did they feel safe in their online behaviors? And many of them before engaging in the conversations with us said, yeah, I feel safe. Yeah, I, I, I think I know what I'm doing. Um, but after then uh, us um, providing them with a little bit more fact about what these things were, they immediately began to reevaluate their safety behaviors. So Um, They then described some very clear actions that they could take um, that would prevent or or that would make them feel more safe uh, and that we knew would help them avoid um, or or possibly avoid exploitation, which was to be more um, sure about who they were talking to online, Um, that if they were going to go to a party, that they knew the host of that party, that people knew where they were going, um, that they just basically knew that this was a a real thing, and that this was not something happening to somebody over in Cambodia. That this is something that was happening to uh, Canadian young girls. Yeah, that's so important. That exactly that this that talking and conversation work. I mean, I was saying to uh, to somebody else that we have plans as families. Uh, and communities about what happens if your house catches on fire in the middle of the night. You go out that door, you go out that door, you don't go out that. We know that if you go to Canada's Wonderland, you know, if you get separated, what to do? Right. Why don't we have conversations around these things as well, right? About what do you do if someone is is giving you these compliments on, uh, reaches out to you on Instagram or Snapchat? What if someone... Uh, likes your TikTok feed.
3: Yeah, we hear about stranger danger, but not so much in this evolving world. Things are totally different now with social media. um, And why not? Yeah, it's so weird that that is something that's not, there's not more weight of that. Um, But that kind of brings up another question, like, who is at risk? Is it the people that the kids on Instagram? um, More so nowadays? Is that what you're finding?
0: Um and again when we when we began this work we had a very narrow demographic from our experience and it was those young women who were you know involved in child welfare who were living rough on the street or who socioeconomic were who statuses in, absolutely yeah. who had histories of uh of neglect and or abuse uh and those still hold true um that uh, I I wrote down some some numbers before we met is that Great. 47% of uh young people who have engaged in child welfare um, are uh, are involved in uh, sexual exploitation. So that's a pretty high number. That's a, a hugely high number.
3: So then maybe they can't go to their parents. You know, is is that a factor? Like maybe they don't have parents to talk about this with, or actively involved parents, or something.
0: So what's 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 happening is that we've got some really lovely relationships, working partnerships with child welfare agencies in in Ontario, and so I know for facts that this is on their radar and has been on the radar for the past, you know, four years or so. And so they are, as a, as agencies, as uh, system-laden um Biomaths in a lot of in a lot of senses, trying to find out ways that they can you know educate their their staff to be able to identify and red flag young people who are at risk, being able to have conversations with the you know, how do you have a conversation with those young people, um, foster yeah. parents, um, as well as the, the the whole notion of kin care that the, that the the thrust is not to remove children from care but is trying to keep them within their families, and then again educating the parents about that child who uh that young woman who is not listening to curfew who continues to run away um is is engaging in risk taking behaviors that are alarming and so child welfare gets involved in some way as a supportive and educa- educational uh manner to be able to say to to label the behavior to to, to understand what may be happening because the behavior is 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 language? Why is this happening? And so we don't call it, you know, an obstinate, difficult child anymore. We we recognize that there's a whole host of other things that are that are going on, and maybe exploitation is one of them. Uh, again, when um, in the early days of our training, um, I had a, a slide as a, the notion of putting on these these human trafficking glasses. So that you begin to see the world in in ways that you may not have considered in the past. So, if you see a behavior at a hotel, or you see behavior in your child, if you hear a story from uh, a niece or a coworker about something, um, that that you see it in these in, in, with these glasses on, right? Um, you know what luring looks like. You know what coercion looks like. You know what engagement. So. Um, you know, at risk, anybody's at risk right now. In terms of a demographic, we have met young people who uh, come from uh, intact families. We have met young women who are enrolled in third-year university, um, who are uh, active members of their community, uh, and who continue to um, find their way uh, into into these circles. Uh, so again, these kinds of conversations about raising that awareness that it is a an unfortunate possibility um, to dispel a lot of the myths. One of the, the things that uh, I always scratch my heads at, I only have one head, and I continue <laughs> to scratch my head at uh, yeah. most days. Some days I swear. <laughs> Some days it feels like um, you have 20, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Um, when on, on Facebook you have um, these posts around... Um, if you see a zip tag or a yellow string tied to your door handle, um, don't go to your car because it's a human trafficker coming to abduct you. Um, what? Abductions do still occur, um, uh, but most, if, if not all categorical uh, young people with whom we have engaged in have not been abducted, have not been lured, have not been... Um, gorilla pimped into the car uh, to be forced to sell so sex to so aware, is that one um, of the biggest
1: misconceptions then because I feel like through this conversation that kind of keeps coming up where it is very the Liam Neeson exactly taken. That's and what that's what probably of. part of why people you know don't feel like it's happening because or feel like
3: it could happen or is a problem
1: yeah, and because that movie, in a way, like as we know, media can glamorize things, even really heinous yeah. things, but it's still a movie. It's still pretend. And while I do believe that those situations obviously do happen and do occur um, all over the world as well, but like that seems to be the biggest issue is that these are not a group of people that are just driving around scooping women off the street, you know, as they walk home or walk to work. These are, again, Due to relationships that these individuals had, and it's a
0: process. Yeah,
3: it's gradual.
0: But you, but you, but what you just said is absolutely true, Lauren. So they are driving around. They are. This is their job. They make an enormous amount of money off the backs of these women, Uh, and I don't want to. I mean, I could give figures. It's it's ludicrous. Um, but I don't want to glamorize right, it. So right. they make an enormous amount of money and they work. They will go to, this is why it's so it's so difficult in, in the shelters, that they go to where vulnerable, fragile human beings live, congregate, bus stops, Dundas Square, malls, um, online. And they look for the proverbial... Um, gaps in the armor they look for the vulnerabilities that these young women and young men are exhibiting they all the and they monopolize on them who is teaching them this though
1: i mean this feels like i mean you know you've met people in your life that are master manipulators but this is a skill this is not something you're just born knowing but somebody started it and somebody taught this person and that person taught this person and and down the line it went to yeah. become I would probably guess a billion dollar business, a billion dollar industry
0: Worldwide plus, sure. I'm sure. Which goes, which goes back to our first conversation is why has, why is this still happening? Because it, there it is. Because of that money always. There it is. Yeah. There it is, folks.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's what we, we like, I know that this is not, um, Something that happened specifically in Canada, although obviously I couldn't say it didn't, like Canadians weren't involved, but like that's where the Epstein thing comes in, right? The Jeffrey Epstein kind of st- kind of Power,
0: stuff. patriarchy, but demand. So
3: that was just like more of a higher upscale organized situation? Yeah, yeah.
0: Because
1: money can really buy anything. Yeah. Even it's... people. Yeah, which is what this is showing. It can buy people of any age, any race, any sex, like it's so horrific.
0: Yeah. So when we've we when we've talked to the to the police over the the course of the years, they 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 talk about um it, it's very it's it's very similar to how you know or, organized crime works, and that's not to say that this is organized crime, but I'm not to say that it's not. It is. Um, but there's a higher but there's a hierarchy to uh to the criminal behavior, and so you could have a Uh, a a couple who uh, both have uh, a substance reliance. And so together they decide that she will sell these services in order to pay for their rent, to be able to pay for their, right? And then you have other kinds of individuals who um in smaller you know one individual will work one other girl he'll be the the boyfriend scenario he may only have one girl who works for him and then it kind of grows like a bit of a ponzi pyramid scheme and i and it's with all due respect but that's how it grows out and then you've got those you know like the epsteins who are uh the, the masterminding and moving Larger groups of young women who are s- s- removed from the actual activity and get more popcorn type uh, fellows on the street to go into the shelters to go yeah, to the bus stops do and do all that work. running around um, precisely so that they're further removed from the prosecution and that in those situations though it does seem like it is very much glamorized though
1: because like there's reports that they go on shopping sprees and they are given money and presence and things
0: well and they are and they and they and, and, and in a lot of circumstances and 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 that's one of the, the the situations that makes it difficult is that they do uh they're i don't want to say they're they're well taking f- care of that their ha- that their physical that their physicality has to be such that they are going to be a desirable desirable things so their their nails are maintained that they're put in clothing that uh that looks nice and is appealing that their hair is kept up to snuff that they have access to makeup but i
3: think for them it still happens gradually as well like i don't think that um epstein or you know him specifically or his guys went up to a girl and was like hey this is what's gonna happen but i'm make sure that you look good but i think like even in the netflix show she was like brought somewhere with promises of other things and then it kind of even gradually happened then like oh uh, well, you're here, you know, do you want to try this? And- well,
0: that's that's exactly it. So f- f- for the most part, that that that's exactly how it's sold. So that if someone came yeah. up and said, all right, this is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to do. You're going to have no control. You're yeah. going to, you know, have to do X, Y, and Z with that guy, this guy, and, and seven others before you can eat. Like if you really broke it down to what – people are like, heck no, Right, yeah. and unless you're no, in circumstances you. <laughs> where where you were really without options, and again going back to those kind of circumstantial situations where they're the most vulnerable and and uh, marginalized communities that they may have to say, for how long, right? I mean, yeah, I'd be, because yeah. I've got to feed my kids, because I have to, right? So there's these yeah. different kinds of, of of scenes. But if you were to sell it like that, you know, yeah, most people would
3: say hell no. Yeah. It's weird that it's like organized crime because I want to know, like, what really rich guys are like, okay, you know, what? we should get going together. Like, it's like a weekend hockey game or something. We should round up a few chicks and then really get, uh, we'll, we'll get this, like, guy I found on the street to find the girls. And then, like, how are they having these conversations? And, getting away with it why are people why are the guys are talking to you not like ew what the hell are you talking about no how do you f- establish that well because they're like-minded too like they're
1: like i'm into that idea like and that and that's where i'm so interested in too it's like who thinks of this stuff first yeah. and then how do they sell it to people to involve themselves never mind the women that are yeah. brought into it but like it becomes a chain and it becomes a, a not a legitimate business, but a legitimate in the sense that it is a
0: business. And the and the internet and the web has connected people with like-minded values and beliefs and fetishes and fantasies. Fantasies mm-hmm. like no other time on the planet. So yeah. I can sell my worn running socks online to somebody who will pay a lot of money because and and i will have more than one offer it's a strange beautiful ugly world yeah we live in right now absolutely and julie how did you get involved in this kind of work
3: yeah it takes a special kind of person to be able to do it
0: yeah well th- well thank you because i don't uh, thank you Um, you're uh, modest, but it's true. This, uh, you know, who's, who is remarkable and special are my, my front, are the the young women, the, 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 the survivors, uh, the resiliency, um, of them to, despite everything that has happened to them long before this happened to them. And then what has happened to them for them to, you know, rebound and bounce back, um, and want to go to school and want to graduate and, and, and have their babies. And though that those are the remarkable human beings. Uh, and that's why uh, that's our Friday, those miracle Fridays where we get a picture of, you know, a girl's new baby that she's had and, you know, and how happy. she set up the, the, the baby's room. Um, my advocates and my frontline staff who do this uh, tirelessly uh day to day in some really challenging circumstances be able to bear witness to the testimony in court as this as these young ladies are, are raked over the coals those are the those are the 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 sorceresses and the 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 wizards and the the unicorns i i never expected to do this work and i'm blessed to be able to do so I have a background, a, a master's in education. I had a uh, a focus on sexuality education. I was going to teach kindergartners, uh, a, and I had plans to write curriculum on sexuality education. Amazing! This is something we talk about all the time, that we wish sexuality,
3: sexual uh, life was taught to younger kids. So things like... So then, they would be more aware. They're less at risk of situations. They understand their bodies. They
1: understand how they work. And yes, I mean, yeah. this is something that we also feel. This conversation should be part of a curriculum because yeah, it's it's too late when the yeah. conversations are
0: happening. And it's and it's yeah. starting so that there are York Region has a remarkable uh, plan in place. Uh, I think that they're in their stage two plan, which is to. Uh, correct me if I'm. And forgive me, people from York Region and the TDA and the and the boards up there, but that they've done the consultations with with myself and with Bridge North and other organizations, the women's network up in York Region, um, on the content what should be included, and now they're looking to uh, uh, teach their teachers how to teach it, uh, to consult with the parents. So they're well uh, along the path to doing just that. That is amazing. And it's news. more than it's more than anatomy. It's more than P and V, it's about um, the self esteem side of and it. And it's eg- precisely, exactly, exactly. So, uh, you know, another thing I wanted to
3: ask, uh, Julie, was about the cycle. Uh, we kind of mentioned it about the, the substance abuse, and then does that is that the chicken or the egg? Um, I know, Laura, like we kind of wanted to, to get into that. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, when you talk about the women that maybe we're in a relationship and it's trusting and they believe that it's a real relationship and then it turns into, oh, you know, let's just do this or could you do this for my friend and that sort of sexual um, exploitation starts to happen. Does the drugs then become a tactic to keep women in that Um, world because I feel like not every woman that gets involved in this or is a victim of this is an addict um, or have substance dependencies so then these people obviously are very intelligent um, in these ways of manipulation and control so they do they purposely get women addicted to drugs to then have them dependent not only on them for all of their neces like the necessary needs to
2: survive—food, clothing, water—and then
0: it's an absolute. It's it it is a, it's a tactic. It, it is absolutely a tactic, and so I, that's why. Uh, it's important to to, to to raise this to to be able to develop that that compassion for the individuals um who are who are exploited to understand that that um that this is where their substance reliance uh comes from uh that the the traffickers will introduce them in the, the luring or the grooming stage uh two substances that they may not have used before to kind of gain some control over them to be able to and then how um, many
3: people are you uh, develop a debt
0: bondage to them so, so, so that you've won't um, used all of this uh, you they're thought that was for free. Oh. Um, this is how you're going to pay me back already? for that. Do they look for the homeless weekend that so that that's a, the covenant an house element also, of it as well.
3: Um helps with is the homeless population of youth. So how is that leading how how at
2: risk are they if they're homeless as well for this
0: the well the the more vulnerable an individual is um the more attractive they would be to a predator because again their options would be uh quite limited that they would be uh in need of many of those more maslovian needs food shelter love um and that's what the 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 predators and the traffickers would uh parlay their approach to Um, you need a place to stay who's going to protect you on the street Um, where are you eating tonight? When would you like to go party with me? Um, and then there are the vulnerabilities that all three of us share or have shared at some point of our, you know, fairly normal, healthy lives, um, where we need to belong, where we need to feel loved and valued and desired. Um, I know that from my own history that there were moments in my own uh, Absolutely. I, young I've adulthood and adulthood where relationships that you um, don't fully understand, my vulnerabilities were very while you're evident. Doing something
1: um, or necessarily and even wanted were,
0: to at times taken advantage of by other, needs other human beings were being who saw them or who that, I rightly told him, to, well, and were willing sense, to exchange okay, to have those out. needs met.
1: And yeah, I think that's a really powerful message to right? send too. Is that sometimes you're doing something without even knowing you're doing it until it's too late. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the conundrum of, and the cycle of self blame. So, I brought this on. I chose to engage in this relationship or this work. Like it's I, I should to have sex with I him this on or his boyfriend like, or that one like guy. Victim victim. So shaming. that's the mind Is there mess abuse that a lot of these though, young ladies I, you find know, themselves the in when it comes time to hackers um, or I don't to, know what speak what to really to call the them the people the that perpetrators.
1: Um, yeah, the perpetrator, the that are putting... traffickers, um, all of the things, Yeah, Um, you know, is it always power through abuse or is it power through like that very artificial love? Like, I'm the only one that's going to love you. Who's going to want you now? I'm the one that protects you because I think it's easy to assume like, oh, the women are being beat up and they're being abused. But like you said, they need to look desirable. If you're have your
3: face damaged or your body, that's not desirable. Um, but I think
2: it's so. mental abuse, which is way more scarring. Right.
0: Both. So both happen. So both both happen. So it, again, it, it depends entirely on the on the trafficker's style, um, and on what his, what needs to happen at any one given time. So, so it's all very different. So again, if, if, if she begins to express a desire to leave or have had enough, he may need to employ a different strategy. So it may be, he needs to turn into a heavy hand or he may need to talk about her sister. Well, if you're not going to be here, then I know that your sister's what she just turned 13, right? Um, or what about those photos? Or, um, or come on, babe, just one more year. Right. So again, it, it's, it it is there changes like, in within varies, Canada? Um, what is the hub on, like, on where the um, relationship and on the strategies on, that need to be employed at anyone to given time? But, like, I, right, it is, it is um, that kind of call and response right. to what they have in front of them. And but mm-hmm. where
3: in Toronto, I mean specifically, like are there spots?
0: Toronto Ontario is considered to be the hub of of, of Canada, uh, and Toronto is is a bit of an epicenter um, I, If you would have asked me four years ago, I would have said you know uh, Eaton Center, Dundas Square, um, the bus station for for luring, um, like downtown the core, the hotels that line Yonge Street. Um, and now we know that it's it still happens and it is still c- congregate. We know that it still yeah. happens by congregate there, um, but that we know that girls have wor- are working out of the condominiums, the new condominiums that are going up, uh, the Airbnbs, uh, the Skydome Hotel um, along Kingston Road. Uh, uh, again, it's 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 di- it's diversified. So, you I mean, know, back in the day though, that mostly, there were, right? you know, They're there was the, the, day. The, um, the strolls that um, in Toronto, at the very least, there was the Isabella stroll. And so that you could go and you could, you know, drive around this loop and you would see, you know, a lot of street involved sex workers um, who. Right. Uh, no, it, it, but yes um it is it it's it's again when the when when business for that kind of work is is it, it is at night right um and again what uh the internet and social media has done has pushed it inside so you'll see less you know, young men and women working outdoors um it still occurs but in a, a different income areas different um spaces within different cities. Um, but mo- a, yeah, a lot like more of it is hearts, happening, as I said, in the B and Airbnb and the hotels again. and the condominiums that they don't have to go out onto the strip and stand on a corner that they put a, a lot, they put a, an app post ad on what used to be, you know, Craig's well, Craigslist or, um, your back pages which right. is now, which is now done. You say exactly this, though, that. It's, it's, Airbnb, it's as easy as that, hotels, and then you rent a it hotel room for a couple of nights to make money and and here, that you don't have to figure out on the street. Like it it evolved sounds evolved. Like Although some do, more, right? It, it depends on entirely of what kind of evil. game you're running.
1: But it also sounds um, like there must be a larger demand happening for this to be something that is covering so much space, um, buildings, places that are used by people not in this industry like it's it's sort of just like intertwined in regular society
2: Hmm. yeah of course yeah but it's not like
3: i think what laura meant it's not like it's just happening in, like the seedy motels in town, like you know what I mean. It's yes. happening in the nice Airbnb. It's, it's access. It's happening literally uh, everywhere. So and it's and hotels. Uh, yeah. So they're again, not having the internet to, like is making just it stay a lot there. easier. It, it can be more out in the open, I guess.
0: Or yeah. Well, if you stop to think about the 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 larger hotel chains that this is happening, and many of them, that people know, so there's that kind mm. of that 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 acceptance. And what Covenant House is doing is that. Right. Uh, we're now going into uh, been in, being invited into uh, HR uh, spaces of the larger hotel chains in Toronto yeah. uh, to talk so to their housekeeping I mean, staff, for like, security, how are you get the resources, their front desk staff because the hotels know in fact that this is happening and they don't want to be a part a of it. And so they're, they're training their staff to be I able to identify, up, and um, not for women with guns blazing themselves, but be desirable. able to call the authorities to, to
1: do something about it. And nobody is going, that's a bit odd.
3: Or, like, like, a guy goes in there, clearly with a younger girl, probably doesn't look like him. Like, it's not his kid, you know? Like, are they trained? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that after this...
0: We will have. Do so you remember those, those ATH, HT ourselves. glasses I talked um, to you
3: about? Well, I know, like probably. So the me and Laura more you move through your spaces, the more you move through your communities, because,
0: your own condominium. You know, you're going they to see so many crimes more. are solved by like what and you're, they think to be a so random notice anonymous more. call,
3: but it really leads to other things. So maybe somebody noticing something looking weird or off could just call in and save that girl potentially, right? And what's the harm of making that call, right? Yeah. If it's a false alarm, it's whatever.
2: I remember seeing that. That was all over
1: the TTC. So
0: that's mm -hmm. the the thing. Really, really, increasing numbers of calls from community members. So we had a, last February, we ran a campaign called Shoppable Girls and it was an awareness raising campaign, right? And so shortly after that, Exactly, and then we and and that campaign raised a lot of awareness with, yeah. um, with average citizens who began to. There was a, a you know calls from people who were in hotels saying, "I think this is happening." Uh, so to being able to direct people mm-hmm. to the appropriate. Um, uh, resources. So right. there's the um, so Center to End Human Trafficking that the they have a hotline here, like, you can call or Crime with, Stoppers with tips to, uh, or your local dispatch on, of your, or like, of your you know, local Toronto police. To or, uh, or if you are, feel like, if someone's really in immediate danger, signs. you know, you can call 911 if there seems to be violence uh, taking place, right? Um Sure. So I I, I think that I'd, I'd like to begin. So as caregivers or parents or as aunties or as teachers, um, as uh, people who are working in the licensing, uh, a lot of young women come to get their dance and lysis or their body rub massage licenses renewed. Um, so you look for, um, you know, obviously in some places, if you're an emergency room nurse and a, a young person comes in uh, repeatedly for uh, sexually transmitted infections, uh, unresolved, uh, that there's somebody waiting in the waiting room. If they come in, uh, if they just want to come in and out, that they may not have their identification. Um, if, um, if there's somebody who's talking for them, um, if there's somebody, like I said, in, in the waiting room, who's, who's tapping their foot, waiting to get, right. um, a lot of this is, is our gut. A lot of this is, you know, you can go back and look at circumstances and think, you know what, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't right. So I encourage people to, to check their gut um, and then not be a, a, afraid to ask a question. Um, and it, you know, you can always proceed it with a, please forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, but I could not, not ask this question. Are you Okay is there anything more that I can do for you today? Um, would you like to stay a little bit longer? Um, do you want to go somewhere else to talk? Um, um, is there somewhere that, that, that I can help you be? Um, there's actually, if you go to our uh, covenant houses website, we have a web uh, an arm of our website called traffic stop. Um, and it clearly outlines, uh, uh, that it helps to dispel the myths uh, about human trafficking, uh, gives tips uh, for caregivers, for service providers um, about how to have these initial conversations with people. Um, if you're a caregiver and, you're, uh, and you're, if you're, you know your child uh, and you know when they are developing a fever, you know when they've got a D on their you know, geography assignment, um, probe. Ask those questions, you know, beg that forgiveness of you know forgive me if I'm wrong, but I have to ask these questions. It's like when I talked about with the with the Ipsos read is if you have that language, if you have that understanding that these things could happen, then having those conversations later uh are will be easier, and it's the same kind of conversations about you know drinking and driving or about you know smoking a cigarette or, or using yeah say, you know smoking your first. Having those open conversations so that they know that they can trust you with coming to you. Um, We always say as parents or caregivers, you know, my door is always open. There's nothing that we can't talk about. Ask yourself if that's if that's really true. Like, what? How does your family, right? Uh, You know, yeah. How does your family or your or your living Mm -hmm. group manage mistakes? Um, Do you do it in a way that they're not going to be fearful of coming to you with the oh my God, I gave my, I gave my number or I gave a booby shot to this guy and he's now shared it all over the school. Um, so again, the, the it's always the prevention, having those conversations before they take place. And then as a service provider, you've got some other responsibilities through your, you know, whether you're a social worker in a school or whether you're an emergency room nurse, you know, check it out, um, make notes of it, um, you speak with your supervisor, speak with your manager. I'm so happy to say that more and more of these spaces and places have an awareness of human trafficking. I needed to go to an emergency room while I was on vacation recently when it was in, Why? Uh, uh, not in, not in my place. It was in Northern Ontario. Is that and during the assessment, uh, and it was for uh, an ear infection, they, the, 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 nurse asked me if I was safe um, and if I was a victim of domestic violence and if there was anything that I wanted to talk to you talk further about, uh, they, mm-hmm. it's part, it's part of their mandate. So when they have a young woman come in, right. it's one of their check boxes to be able to mandate because it's it's casting a very wide net to be able you, you never know uh, you know who's sitting in the chair across from you. <laughs> Um, I hope I didn't give off any vibes you know of One being in duress. And she and I actually so many spoke about the work that I do a briefly ask, after no she asked. Because I said, um, "No, and if it thank you for asking." Someone, like, um, this so and I, you know, I said, "Is this I something mean? that you ask everybody?" I do want to ask
1: also. As a, as can an you emergency share as part of their mandate myths about human trafficking?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm. But it's not just women also I think that's an important thing that we have to that
0: acknowledge that it doesn't happen here. I I that um that it's not going to happen in my neighborhood to my child, to my niece, to somebody in my school. It, it's it, it's not Um, 97% of our population are female and female identified. There are increasing numbers of young men. Um, again, if we talk about marginalized groups and, or, or the shame and stigma, if you can only imagine, um, the, the, the masculinity, the myths of masculinity and what would make it prohibitive for someone to come and say, um, I have been exploited, um, but again, it's and it's it is it is happening. Right, certainly. and at the it's, same time, it is again. Just I think that men these conversations that are about the perpetrators, young women, into, and to, then to, to acknowledge that it's happening to young men, we'll see That's a more point. and more individuals being able to say, "Yeah, I think this is happening to me. I've got that language for it. This is not something that I consented to." Yeah. Correct. Correct. So what 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 does happen is that um, that we do have young women who are luring and recruiting. Um, they are uh, in, in smaller numbers, but it certainly is something that happens. And uh, more often than not, then they are victims themselves. Uh, and that's that's something that I, I, I like to be able to point out is that if you have an individual who is being exploited or worked for someone, uh, for any period of time and and that person says, comes and says, um, if you get me more girls, you don't have to work as much. Or if you get me more girls, then you will get greater accommodations. You can sit in the front seat of my car. You can share my bed for the next couple of nights. You, yeah, there's, there's language around the role that they take on, but certainly, and so again, by virtue of survival and Pain avoidance—that um, they will—and I think that's often when you see these photographs in the newspapers about the, the mugshots of all the traffickers, too. and you'll see well, a, a young yeah, woman included. Definitely, in that, you know, it makes sense. Uh, and know, I'm not from saying that their perspective you know, to categorically get a girl on board for you because then she's um, more trusted this is the case. But more in most of that you know, we've worked with, those young um, women have been victims themselves. Yes,
3: yeah, for sure. and Obviously, you know, the most likely that they are victims to to participate in that. Um, I think, you know, as we come to an end, like the biggest take homes that I've learned from this would be, you know, obviously always have empathy and compassion for people. They are um, at the forefront victims. And then, you know, I'm not a mom, but this is something that I I will do is have these conversations, um, at a younger age, especially now that technology is um, you know, dictates everything we do. Everything. Yeah, everything we do, but then also is a huge help for how these traffickers work as well. So I think having these conversations um, about, you know, it's because like you said, a lot of the girls are, you know, young girls with their boyfriends. So having these conversations of, of how they can infiltrate your life uh, is super important.
2: Right.
0: right and as and as parents yeah. I, 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 I i and as parents even though they're in their in your house like they it's it's again it's risk and as a parent i've i've got two uh two young people in my life um it's about not fearing but preparing um the conversation i have with my eldest it, I, people worry about privacy um, and their phone, or what are they watching on YouTube? It's the great screen time is the great nanny of our century. And, uh, don't be, we're their parents, we're their caregivers, children, th- children, uh, it, it needs structure, boundaries, predictability, a sense of safety, um, and it's our role as caregivers and parents to provide that for them. You think back when you know, they transitioned from block time to painting, that they needed to be able to write that, that this is going to happen and then this is going to happen. And then we're going to brush our teeth and then we're going to read a book. They get that sense of, of, of predictability and that they trust you. Um, when we give them their first phone, we need to have, it's important to have those kind of Parameters and boundaries around. I will check your phone. I am going to have your password, um, and I'm going to look once a month. Yeah, and if right, and so I'm and doing this, and because you have a lot sh- you're against you're developing parent, that trust. Though, and then I will say, do it like, less, you have or, like, less. You have or if I feel that something's amiss I'm have going to
1: let them look again. You have to let I am learning, but, but I didn't let them really worry about that, and I'm very much that parent their privacy. Borderline, and I'm going to ask those questions. Quite young children, but I've had I've had those conversations with my sons to say like I will know what goes on in your life like I'm allowed to know I am the mom like I'm I want them to trust me and love me of course and have we want to have a like a friendly relationship too but I from a very young age have said to them like I manage your life essentially I'm the manager of your life until you are old enough and capable to manage your life I love you my one job is to protect you and provide for you so I will do that and I'm going to look at the people you talk to and the conversations you have. And I do think that that is a message that the parents of this generation especially really do need to hear because you're right. It is this fear of, oh, I'm being overbearing or I'm too nosy or, you know, they need to just live their own life. And But, like, yes, of course, to an extent, but they're still children
3: at the end well, of the day. Well, and, more, your kids are really young, but I think doing it now when they are older and it maybe is more the time to do it they're per- already in that habit yeah of, they're used to it of sharing with you and
2: or intrusive yeah yeah yeah
3: yeah
0: it won't it won't appear as 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 unusual it will be just that kind of that normative more normal. Oh, what are we talking about? And that's my children grown, right? They 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 know ish the work that I do. Um, I worked in sexual health for a great number of years before that as well. So we've had those kinds of very open conversations, and I'm sure they must, you know. And, and when they've had some of their friends come over, that we've absolutely had some conversations conversation. that emerged, right? Um, you don't want them to. You don't want Sexuality, them to be shockers. You it. want, you know, condom use or marijuana use or mental health challenges to be that's a, part of. Like your we talked about that normal a whole, a lot normative show, conversation so it's not these outlandish these are conversations that right so that they have they, to start you talk about earlier, you know exactly about depression of those or anxiety topics so have it's to happen not the from a much taboo, younger it's not the mad woman in the attic that I think that that's that that's what we're
1: seeing this is where yeah. the problems happen it was too taboo it was you don't talk about sex especially um women you don't even shouldn't even know about sex. Like it's just something that and you, you do. Yeah, it's not for, for pleasure for you. Yes, it's exactly. Like and of course, that's changed so much. Um, yeah. But it's still a problem, obviously, and we do feel that it should be in part of the curriculum. And I'm so glad to hear yes. that this is something that they're starting in, in the um, yeah yeah in some yeah. of the uh school regions or through the school board so yes,
3: but yes these are just huge. conversations
1: like we can't hammer this home enough for us and to our
3: audience like you need to talk to your children and you're allowed to talk to your children um you know all this has been so unbelievably educational like thank you so much for sharing everything here i know i learned a lot i'm pretty sure everyone else listening will too um but yeah, we, you know, I we can't thank you enough for for bringing us more awareness on this topic. So why don't you um, put in your plugs of where
2: people can get more information where they can contact you where people can get help if they need it?
0: Certainly. Okay, so I'll try to, to do this in a. Got it. Um, so I would I would suggest that if people are interested in learning more about the topic, that they can go to uh, Covenant House's website. We've got a a dedicated platform called Traffic Stop, uh, and it uh, pretty clearly outlines uh, the myths associated with human trafficking, uh, strategies and kind of tips for caregivers and parents to initiate conversations, things to watch out for with their with their own people in their care, uh, some um, areas for service providers to look at as well, uh, and just again it talks a little bit more about the statistics and, and, and what sex trafficking is. If you are somebody who is um, concerned about somebody in your life that this might be happening to them, uh, or if you are somebody who believes that this might be happening to you, you can call the Canadian Centre for Human Trafficking. There's a hotline, 1 909 1010. And that's for people who uh, are looking for resources uh, specific to human trafficking uh, for themselves or for other people in their lives. Uh, Crime Stoppers. And there's a whole host of, uh, of other resources in Toronto um, that if you go to uh, 211. Uh, uh, that there is to find resources in, in your that's amazing thank you so uh, much city, Julie. And again we can't thank you enough for taking the time to chat with us
1: and share uh, all this hotline. information so we really hope uh, that our you listeners if you call it a in lot away from e, it like uh, just said we certainly did and the conversation just to keep happening we need to create more awareness and this has to be talked about it's happening here it's happening in our backyards unfortunately but it is and the more we know and the more we do about it Hopefully, the less it will happen.
3: Yeah, the less chance those predators will have the opportunity. Perfect. Love that. Perfect way to
1: summarize that. Thank Thank you you so much.
3: Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Bye. So not fear, prepare, as Chris Hatfield said. Right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you very much for for having me with you today. Yep. You're welcome. Thanks.
2: Bye-bye.